If you don't self-isolate and stay inside, I will fucking... You know what I'll do? I'll go and I'll go to Sunshine Hospital. I'll get that fucking hand towel and I'll rub it on all the front handles, the door handles, which is pretty much, you know, where coronavirus is hanging out. And I'm going to wait. I'm going to hold on to those fucking things. Work out the best way to isolate the virus and to keep it alive. A petri dish, I don't know. I'm going to hold on to it until you turn 60. And then I'm going to come and stuff that fucking rag into your mouth. I don't care how long it takes. That's what I'm going to do. I'm trying to show you how frustrated I am. Not at you. It's not about you. Okay? We've got off to the wrong start. It's about people that won't stay at home. I get angry when I think about types of people during this pandemic. When I think about fucking, you know, like tinfoil, David Icke, Alex Jones type fuckers, I don't even need to hear what they're saying. I just know what it sounds like because I know they've always been worried about a new world order. So, of course, this <laughs> happens to look like that. And indeed, some many states are having to be pretty fucking draconian at the moment. But I can see, I can just tell in my mind without hearing them that obviously they would all be telling each other that this is why they shouldn't believe in what the governments are telling them and that they're probably going out to the fucking shops. And I hate them. There's an ABC report last night and it said, it wasn't by them, it was by Sydney University people. They released some research and that massive difference in the curve, because of course we all know what the curve means now, don't we, now that we're in a pandemic. The curve the difference in that curve based on whether 70% of Australians stay the fuck at home versus 80% is phenomenal. It's the difference between thousands more people getting it and a, a curve that just starts to go downwards after two more weeks because we've all been fucking idiots up till now, of course. If you haven't heard, there's a bit of a chest bug going around at the moment. My name's Tom Tanneke. Welcome to the Pork and Feed the Birds um, special coronavirus edition. I imagine it's probably going to be special coronavirus edition until this fucking pandemic's over. I think every podcast in the world is doing special coronavirus edition everything. Bit of a chest bug. Um, I'm trying to stay inside. <laughs> mandatory self-isolation. I had to be overseas somewhere. And while I was overseas, which ended about a week, a week and a half ago, um, everything went to shit in Australia. And so when we were coming back, we were very neurotic. We went straight home. And you'll be happy to hear, I have stayed at home. 
Oh God, and the amount of us that are having to lecture people—it's incredible, you know. And it must be—it must be frustrating. It must be frustrating. But I'm using my little tiny platform for it because it's important, and because I've—I know people that have spoken to people who, in the past two days, who hadn't heard of what coronavirus is. Not looking down on them, some cunts aren't very engaged. But there's the truth. Some people might not know. I wonder what it's like for them. Maybe they're trying to book a cruise and they're wondering why there's so few. Now that all cruise ships are terrifying, evil plague hulks that, you know, Patrol the perimeter of Australia with 1,000 plague zombies on board, ready to ditch them off into our capital fucking cities. We could start to use the cruise ships to put old people on. Because remember, and I know this is more pronounced in America than it is in Australia, remember... When you're old, and this is a very popular line of rhetoric that a lot of conservative commentators are now coming out with, when you're old, you really should sacrifice yourself for the good of the economy. Hey, look, I haven't read Barefoot Investor yet, but what is the fucking economy? Do these institutions, these concepts and the like, exist in service of people and their livelihoods? Or are they shrines that we must, when we reach a certain age, sacrifice ourselves before? I get mad and very involved, you know? I'm emotional at the moment. I get upset easily. It's very, it's much more worthwhile for me to be very involved in all this. I have, and here's the thing, I have tried to be involved as much as I can with my little tiny platform in tangible measures. And I ask that you do the same. So what do I mean? I mean like, well, mutual aid. Mutual aid in a physical sense is a bit hard for me right now because I'm in mandatory self-isolation, but it might not be for you. So if you are moping around at home a little bit bored because you don't have much to do, I suggest you look for mutual aid groups in your local area. And a tool that I've made or a, a, a reference to a series of other tools is very helpful in that respect. I'll talk about it at the end of the podcast. Political stuff. What about tenants? What about people who get benefits? What about poor people? What about broke people? What about vulnerable people? These things are really fucking important right now. And there is a great latent potential for the Overton window to shift in either direction. And you have all of my old motherfuckers and yours in the alt-right trying their best 
to turn the discourse to one related specifically to fucking Chinese people and whatever other shit fairy tales these dogs tell themselves with their hands on their dicks in front of computers. And on the other hand, I am trying to do the opposite. I am trying to talk about real things that involve real people. Not my emotions, not how sad I am that I have to stay at home. Talk about real fucking things. Very important, my friends. Get involved. If you are bored, if you are anxious, do that. Oh, man, this some fucking social justice. I don't name names here. I've got better things to do. There are some social justice commentators and fucking politics people who are really showing their fucking asses at the moment. I tell you what. They're really showing that what they really rely on is a middle-class, affluent audience whose conditions are kept exactly the way they always fucking were. And if there's any real change or danger or crisis in the air, they don't stand to benefit from it. And what am I saying? Well, I've seen these people turn into dancing fucking monkeys, entertainers. Let's all hang out together. It's pathetic. This is a time where people are in great danger and there also exists great potential. Yes, if I told you, if I went back in time and I told you, hey, benefits have doubled. Hey, um, there might be a suspension on evictions. All these other amazing sounding things. Um, that'd sound great. But as we know, it's taken very drastic circumstances for those things to come into place. And it's also happening while our state, for very good reasons, I might add, is turning in to a big surveillance lockdown state. We've got to do it for a while. But you can see what the, what the chips are all up in the fucking air at the moment. So we who are involved in social justice and politics must be there to steer the conversation in the right direction. All of us, not just me, foghorns like me, I mean you as well, I mean all of us. This episode of The Pork and Feed the Birds has several things. One, it has me yelling into this microphone, and I'm sorry if I've gotten a little bit uh, emotive, um, but, you know, you get what you're fucking given, mate. It's a very important time. I'm fucking right in there, you know? You get me yelling, you get a residential tenancy lawyer, Jason Marshall. He's a legend. He's been working with me on stuff. We've been, I've been forwarding tenants onto him. We have a good long conversation about tenancy law and the like and the dangers that tenants are facing at the moment. Um, secondly, we're having a conversation with a nurse, Harry. He works in a Melbourne hospital and he'll be here to talk to us about what's going on in hospitals regarding cleaning, regarding what they're fucking about, just about to face. And it's interesting, and it's a very compelling series of reasons in there for why you should fucking stay home. And finally, I'm speaking to Wade, a bloke who's living over in Spain. My friends, he's going through what we're probably going to be going through in a couple of weeks. Their death toll has just exceeded China's. And I thought it would be helpful for us to know here in Australia, or perhaps if you're abroad in another place that hasn't really copped it yet, what you can, how you, how badly you can cop it if your government fucks around like ours has done. Our government today said, 
are we uh, lifting the suspension on haircuts uh, to be for 30 hours maximum because cut and colours sometimes take longer than that, so therefore we're lifting the suspension. It feels like an announcement that a local council should be making. But this has been the approach from our government, and this is why our curve is going to go through the roof before it flattens out, unfortunately. I can't help that, but I can fucking rant to you, and I can insist that we all stay at home. I can keep that up, and I can give you compelling episodes of the Pork and Feed the Birds. Strap in, this is a doozy. Thank you, everyone. Corona, Corona, Corona. Spray up everything with sanitizer. Corona, Corona, it's murder. I'm speaking with Jason Marshall here. Jason's a lawyer who specialises in residential tenancy matters and Jason and I have been speaking quite a bit over the past few days because I've tried to prioritise the many fucked situations that tenants are facing um, in light of the fact that we're in a, a pandemic lockdown situation and yet we seem to have uh, lots of, of landlords and real estate agencies who don't seem uh, very amenable to recognising those circumstances. Jace, thanks for coming on, mate. No problem, Tom, no problem. How are you going during your pandemic lockdown situation? Well, it's um, it's different. Um, <laughs> I'm personally, yeah, that's 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 uh, speaking lightly, but it's different. I'm per- personally, I'm in uh, self isolation myself, mm. um, protecting uh, protecting my loved ones. Um, you know, we've got, we've, I've got some members in the household who are definitely in the high risk. Group, so I've taken my myself out of the world to protect their health. Um, but it's it's very interesting. Um, no more client interviews face to face; it's all over the phone or over the internet. Yeah. And um, when it comes to tribunal drinks, it's uh, also behind call webcam, which is a uh, an experience for me. And, and, and so, you know, as you said, you do advocacy and you will work on behalf of tenants and and I suppose that can be complex work at the best of times. But right now, even aside from your work, you and I have come across a couple of pretty terrifying situations tenants are facing during this period. What have you what have you yeah. heard about so far? Without giving too much away, um, due to confidentiality, what I've seen um, so far, is uh, people that are in the um, at-risk group, um, the tenant, the landlord, not real, not recognising that. Um, there's been people that uh, face eviction uh, due to things that happened uh, a few weeks ago, uh, but the landlord is not uh, withdrawing um, a notice to vacate. Um, I'm also seeing well, uh, uh, another big thing is. Um, Circumstances where the landlord is um, selling the property and wanting to keep it on the market during the pandemic, which means that uh, when somebody is health, has health issues and they're told to self isolate, um, there's a there's a risk that they'll have strangers walking through their home, yeah, um, potentially bringing in uh, bringing in the virus. Um, it's, it's a Unprecedented legal situation, 
because this is not something that residential tenancy law considered um, ever is any health risk to the tenant um, by people entering their home. I was naive um, enough to think that all we'd be dealing with when I started talking about evictions and landlords and the like was the prospect of people being evicted over unpaid rent because they didn't have the money over the pandemic period. But as you've just said, that's not it, is it? That isn't even the heart because you've got landlords or agencies trying to sell off properties, necessitating therefore, or people who are already intending on doing so, and necessitating therefore that the tenants get out. But if, as you said, and this is some of the people we dealt with, they have conditions that make them particularly susceptible, then they can't leave their house to go and look for other properties, can they? So they're they're basically not able to leave and yet there's a certain date coming by which they're supposed to get out for a fucking auction. Is that? It's just lunacy, isn't it? And that's that's absolutely right. And thankfully, look, the cases I'm dealing with uh, at the moment are predominantly in um, Victoria, New South Wales and Queensland. Thankfully, um, in New South Wales and Queensland, there is some avenue um, to stop an eviction, um, is that the tribunals in those states they can consider um, any factors um, that affect an eviction, and I would I would argue that um, in the current circumstances, that health policy should be a consideration, and mm. um, it's not in it's not in the interest of justice, and none of the public interest that uh, we have people out and about looking um, looking for somewhere to live, uh, particularly if they've got um, their health, and I never thought I'd say this with a residential tenancy matter, but an eviction um, putting the tenant at risk of serious injury or death, um, or I should say serious illness or death, is not words that I ever anticipated would come out of my mouth yeah. when talking about a rental property. Yeah, yeah. But that is what we're facing. Um, in Victoria, the, the protections against um, an eviction uh, under those circumstances are simply not there. I read something um, last night which said that in, 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 in Dublin, Airbnb prices or rental prices across the board have risen up by 64% because everyone's shutting up their Airbnb, so you've got no short-term rentals and the, the market's just seizing up. So you, you're essentially, I mean, if, that, if that's going to happen in every area or something like it where pandemic scenarios occur, you're essentially, you know, and there's no way of going to other um, inspections because they don't want to hold inspections because they don't want people yeah. with virus going through their house. Then you're consigning this, people to homelessness. It feels like to me. In relation to rising, you know, landlords putting the rent up, um, which they should not definitely not be doing in these circumstances. So it's clearly unfair. Uh, um, but having relaxed that, the common thing is always run through residential tenancies. Uh, is that uh, uh, an investment property. Uh, for the purpose of paying off their own mortgage and seeing the tenants as basically um, employees that their job is going out to work for the landlord and pay the rent to pay the landlord's mortgage. Uh, a completely wrong attitude 
um, to approach it and let it eventually happen. You said that there's nothing in place for Victorian people. They have no options. Is that what you said? That's what I said. Look, in Victoria, it is strict. If you um, if you have a, a notice a notice of a breach and you fail to uh, rectify that breach and you have a notice to vacate and you fail to vacate, um, then the tribunal can the landlord can apply to the tribunal uh, to get a, a possession order and then to get a warrant, and that's strict. You you can't contest a um, possession order. You can't contest a warrant. The best you can do is you can have the matter adjourned. It's clear to me that that obviously what needs to happen is that government measures of some sort, whether at national or state level, and I think it is state measures, need to be put level. into place. Yeah. Okay. So it is state level. So um, I read yesterday that that it is now in the hands of the states, um, and that they'll be soon making some sort of decision on what is to happen regarding residential tenancies and um, and evictions and the like soon. What measures do you want to see put into place? I mean, suspension of rent, suspension of evictions or mortgage suspensions to supplement the suspension of rent? What, 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 would do, you, what do you want to see? Well, that, that, is a, that is a very good question. Look, we have been promised, um, we have been promised by what they're calling the war cabinet, um, that we will see some form of action uh, to protect renters um, and to protect tenants of all sorts. We haven't gotten any word of what they might be, any suggestion. Um, it may be that their idea of protecting renters um, was to um, supplement new start or what is now called the job seeker payment. Um, Frankly, that's a nightmare. Um, that's the well. It was passed. It was passed last night. The bill coming, and um, and you know, I'm wagering that right now there's um, flying pigs are skating in hell uh, because that was the fastest I've ever seen legislation passed, and the um, the process was fairly civil. Um, the questions that were asked were honest questions, and the answers that were received were honest answers. I've never seen that happen. And I don't think it's ever happened in Parliament for the um the hundred and twenty year history of no. Parliament no. to actually start acting like a government. Yeah. Um but still, um because the, the process to do that is there is so much red tape, those payments are not going to be in uh, in the pockets of renters um until late April at the earliest. Mm. So we've got so this period that, from now. That's an inadequate. Yeah, from now inadequate. to the end of April, perhaps early okay. May, where um, perhaps even later, and um, that's just a black hole, isn't it? People just that's right. <laughs> if that and if that is the protection that like they were talking about was the raise the job seeker payment, that in my mind that's an inadequate protection because people are late on their rent now. Yeah. Um, and people will have to, people have a, a legal obligation to um, pay the rent that's in arrears now, uh, which will set them back in the future as they will now be in debt. Mm. Um, the extreme measure to take would be to legislate um, to amend the Tenancy Act so that rent, uh, rent is effectively frozen. 
a freeze on rent with the requisite amendments to the, the, the Tenancy Act to, to facilitate that, a complementary freeze on mortgages by banks, which has already happened a lot. So, you know, yeah. I mean, the banks have taken it upon themselves, given that they're being, you know... And that's, look, that is, that is um, you know, in a, I guess a, a sort of um, indirect way, but that is, that's good news for renters too, um, because your typical landlord has an investor property for the purpose of paying off their own mortgage. So if mortgages are frozen at the moment, that is less um, stress on the landlord um, to acquire rent. Um, and perhaps it may be a civil, um, a civil gesture and something that I would definitely suggest to landlords if they consider um, is to consider the, the look, the landlords appreciate the um, freeze on mortgage and if they've got a, a residential tenancy and they're renting out a property for the sake of paying off their mortgage, then maybe, you know, in order to help everybody through this crisis that everyone's experiencing, everyone is suffering hardship at the moment, perhaps for the good of, um, for what has been described as a, a war against another life form, mm. um, for the war effort, um, perhaps maybe freeze away, don't ask for it. Yeah, because it is not worth stressing about the economy right now. The economy is not the problem. No, the problem is the health crisis. Chase, I've seen um, calls for a rent strike, but my concern is that without any protections, without any strike funds, without any war chest to assist the people who are going to do a rent strike that may just exacerbate the problem and that right now, before these uh, state-based tenancy uh, uh, unions and what have you have made any call, this is a, an ideal time to be telling them what the potential problems are rather than simply committing to a rent strike. That's my concern anyway. Yeah. What's your take? Well, people, um, people that are, are contemplating striking on their rent, they are in, a, in between a rock and a hard place. Yes. Um, on one hand, uh, look, <laughs> freedom of speech um, and expression is vitally important um, in a democracy. Getting that message through the legislators is something needs to be done. Uh, we need to speak up about it. That's the way the system works. And so in that way, look, civil action is important. Yeah. Um, and, you know, hitting... Hitting the economy right where it hurts, you know, it certainly gets that message through. But on the other, but on the other side, renters have a legal obligation to pay their rent. That is the that is the arrangement. Is that the um, the landlord provides um, somewhere for them to live, and in return, um, the renter pays rent. Yeah. Um, it's an agreement. It's it's two people coming together and cooperating. Is what. Um, is what a landlord um, and tenant relationship is. Yeah, I just um, hope that the government's aware as they head into this process yeah. that if the, the the changes that they announce aren't don't offer sufficient protections to to tenants, then absolutely, then um, we're all going to completely get behind it. a rent strike because people won't have any other option. And that's it. Look, um, yeah, and with, on the freedom of speech angle, yes, going on a rent strike. Will bring, will most likely bring attention that, um, you know, that this is a problem, that renters are not protected, um, 
in in a crisis. Yep. Um, on the other hand, it is frankly, um, it is then bringing attention to that by putting themselves in evil danger. And people that are considering this need to be aware of that. Um, but yes, they are putting themselves willingly in evil danger. Yeah, the law won't protect them. Jase, um, finally, this is an excellent, this is a really, really good time for middle-class asset owners like landlords to show a bit of support for the working class, a bit of solidarity because, I mean, we're, we're yes. told we're going to see the unemployment rate skyrocket up to 15% and, as we said before, stimulus benefits won't come through for at least a month and a half. So um, what can sympathetic landlords do? Sympathetic landlords can simply not evict their tenants. <laughs> that's that's it. pretty simple. Don't evict your tenants. Yeah, uh, it's not in anybody's. It is not in anybody's interest that you put somebody out on the street. Jace, it sounds um, like almost like they have a choice. Well, that's the, old, that's the unfortunate thing, that, and the and the really devastating thing is that uh, the system, the the, the law is not. It does not contemplate that evicting a tenant um, may make them seriously ill or kill them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it just it's never, it doesn't fathom it. Um, if you don't want to kill tenants, don't evict them during evict the pandemic. Them. That's it. Okay. That's it. If you don't want your tenant to die, uh, I guess in, in maybe a, a dark humor way, yeah. um, it is not very profitable for you. <laughs> <laughs> to go out and see the tenants. Um, <laughs> now you're but, talking. You know, now you're talking their language, mate. Yeah. Look, the reality is that look, if you got if you've got tenants that are living in your um, living in your house, it's not your home. It's your house. You own the bricks and mortar. Um, you don't live there. Yeah. It's not where it's not where you stay. But if you've got somebody who's living in your house, um, you know, if they're there not paying rent. The reality is that they owe you that rent, and they do have to pay it back. So if you go out and kill them, they're not going to be able to pay you the money back. That's right. If so someone's dead, they, they can't give you money. That's it. It's, 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 not, it's not the freeing you way. So you are, <laughs> no, don't kill your tenants. There's no profit in it. Okay, mate. Yeah, so we understand. Please, landlords, don't kill your tenants. Show some humanity and be assured that if the requisite protections for tenants don't come through, then we will start to see people amass behind things like rent strikes. Jace, what should people do if they want to see tenants protected? Who should they contact if they're having issues in their state? Um, what should people do? Okay, if, you are, if you're suffering a tenancy problem at the moment, um, in Victoria there's, residents, uh, there's uh, tenants in Victoria, um, get in contact with them. Um, otherwise, get straight onto your local community legal service um, or uh, Victoria Legal Aid uh, would be my suggestion. VLA yep. um, don't usually do residential sanities. They do um, things that are in the public interest. But right now, I would say, um, and this is not this is not legal advice. This is a this is just an observation suggestion. Yeah. Um, but it, look, I, I would say that right now residential tenancies are in the public interest. Go to VLA. Um, if you're in Queensland or New South Wales, um, again, go to Legal Aid, go to your community legal uh, centre. Um, there are also 
um, the, the tenants union um, that are in each state and go straight to them. Um, they are your specialists in residential tenancy law. Um, if you can find me, um, look me up, Jason Marshall. Um, I'll help you as well yep. um, to, to as best as I can, um, and that's pro bono. Um, I'm doing this completely cost-free uh, because I do not want to see people die um, from losing their home. Jace, thank you so much um, for your time. Thank you for the advice, and um, let's hope that everyone does the right and the humane thing. That's it. Thanks, Mr. Sun. Harry works as a theatre technician in a Victorian hospital. Look, the pandemic is not an equal experience for everyone, I suppose. I mean, I, I can say I'm going through it, but then again, I am just sitting here at home, whereas Harry is waiting for an influx of COVID-19 patients. Harry, how's your pandemic going, mate? Scary, mate. Absolutely terrifying, but we're preparing for it as best as we can at work. Has it hit yet? We've seen a trickle, a bit of a trickle come in to our hospital, uh, according to my knowledge. Um, I do a lot of night shifts, so I'm... um, uh, for the last about a year and a half, a bit less, I've been on during the nights doing emergency cases that come into our surgery theatres, as well as, you know, making sure everything's all clean and everything else and set up for the next day. Um, so I often hear things um, that are like secondhand, which had happened during the day where I wasn't present for it. But from what I understand, there's been a couple of people which have come in, tested positive, um, we actually had surgery performed on a COVID-19 patient that required surgery. What we've done now is we're, well, we've um, scaled back um, a lot of our work. We're only um, going to start concentrating on emergency cases and Category 1 cases, uh, to my knowledge. Um, yeah, there's been some extra precautions put in place there. We're also screening every patient that uh, comes into our theatre as well. So we've actually uh, even set up one of our theatres specifically for COVID-19 patients. So only patients with COVID-19 will go into that theatre. So what is cleaning a theatre in the context or cleaning an entire hospital in the context of this this coming pandemic uh, scenario in Victoria? What does it look like? Well, we had already been trained to do what we call terminal cleans of theatres which is um, what we need to be doing at the um, end of each shift, uh, well, at the end of each uh, list, theatre list anyway. And uh, what that is, is um, using specific products to clean every piece of equipment, every touch point in theatre, mm. uh, which is everything from the surgery table to um, light switches, door handles, keyboards and mice, uh, absolutely anything that has been touched in theatre. 
So uh, those efforts have increased, or at least my efforts have increased since this pandemic. Um, I've even been doing the public areas outside of theatre and, uh, you know, wiping down chairs and right switches, door handles and everything else, just even outside of theatre. But I've also been um, redoing bleach cleans, terminal cleans. Uh, so, for example, if a theatre, if I'm informed that a theatre was cleaned during the day, I'll go in there and clean it again and clean it absolutely thoroughly like it's the first clean of the day. You said that you've been taking it upon yourself in the more public areas of the hospital, so outside of theatre to clean things. If I go in, say because I'm neurotic about having coronavirus, as I'm sure there's been a lot of, if I go into the lobby, am I any more assured than I am, say, um, in an airport that I might not get uh, coronavirus from off from off the handrails or from off the door handles? Or should I should people treat those areas the same as they would any other public area and just fucking exercise caution and bring your hand sanitizer and the like? Personally, I would say exercise caution no matter where you are. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're in a hospital, airport. Anywhere else, I'd say good practice is to always be mindful of touch points, um, areas which uh, have constant human contact, like I said, light switches, door handles, handrails, chairs, anything else like that. I would always be mindful regardless of where you are. Because, you know, we can tell you, yeah, we do these cleans and everything else, but unless, like, this is how I work, unless I see it with my own eyes and I can't be 100% sure so I always just assume that it either hasn't been cleaned or someone infected may have touched it since its last clean. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's just it's just good practice just to be mindful of it regardless. It totally is, and I think it's important for people to be aware that they shouldn't go, oh, I'm in a, a hospital now during coronavirus, I can chill out. <laughs> well, a lot of people with infections go in the hospital. So that's where a lot of germs are going to be. And we clean and everything else. But, um, you know, there's patients which might get up and wander, you know what I mean? Not COVID-19 patients, but other patients, visitors which come into hospital too. I would not go into a hospital and think, oh, yeah, I'm going to be safe. What's the mood like among the staff? We're, um, We're all very anxious. We're all very stressed. We kind of we've, we know that there's been a bit of a trickle in, and we know that that could very well turn into a flood uh, over the course of the next week, two weeks, perhaps even less. Yeah. Um, particularly if, say, the government is not putting in the correct measures that are required to bring this under control, yeah. and um, if people are still going out, um, part, you know, while we're supposed to be isolated and everything else, and uh, having contact with folks, it's all, you know, it all helps facilitate that spread. We're hoping for the best, but preparing for the worst. That's kind of been the big thing. Yeah, um, yeah. That was reiterated in this um, in this big meeting that uh, we had this morning. And so tell me um, about that meeting. You know, were you being warned that there's about to be a flood? What, what went on? What it was was a discussion of um, what measures we're putting in place, what we're actually doing to address this, uh, how we're preparing. Um, it was also kind of um, over the last couple of weeks, there hasn't been too much communication with uh, management and staff in relation to this crisis. We've gotten like uh, emails here and there, but it's and like we've seen a few little changes happen 
but we haven't been, it hasn't been communicated to us very well. And I suppose that's because the uh, situation is constantly evolving. Yeah. And um, we're having to prepare for this, and then maybe you have to prepare for that the next day. And uh, where we had this big meeting, and we did it over an app, that Zoom app. So it's great that we're actually uh, kind of having meetings in an isolated setting too, which is great. But um, what they've said is, yeah, they've acknowledged that lack of communication and acknowledged that that really has not helped with morale at work. And uh, what they're doing is they're going to start having these weekly meetings with us as well as giving us daily updates as well, So, which is good, and that's kind of put our minds a bit at ease. They've also been mentioning, um, been talking about PPE and stock, and they're converting um, wards at uh, the different hospitals across the network uh, to specifically treat COVID-19 patients. Okay. So we'll have, you know, our COVID-19 patients uh, separated from other patients, of course. That being said, in spite of the separation and in spite of the preparatory measures, I mean, will the hospitals be able to cope if you get an influx, you know, akin to what we've seen in, say, Italy or Spain? Oh, I've got to be honest with you, Tom, I worry about that. I um, don't think we might have the capacity to deal with the numbers that they're experiencing. We don't have the number of respirators. We don't have the number of beds available. Mm. Um, and this is why it is so important that we get in now, we go in hard, we go in early as possible. We've got to lock this shit down. We've got to isolate. Um, there's a lot we have to do to actually make sure we don't get to that point because what we've seen over there is I've, I've seen um, their ICUs, their intensive care units are completely full up. Yeah. They've even got patients on beds out in the hallways and staff are coming down with COVID-19 lots. And, it's, um, of course, that's because the healthcare system has just become so overburdened because it's spread so fast. If you are completely overburdened, then you can't provide even adequate treatment, whether it be ventilator support to to the influx of current people. So there may be people who will die who wouldn't otherwise have died if there weren't that many coronavirus cases. Is that right? That's precisely right. Exactly. Okay, then. So in light of that, given that in order to flatten this curve, we need about 80 or 90% of Australians to stay home, the best chance that people have to save people's lives is to stay fucking home right now, isn't it? Absolutely. Isolate yourself as much as possible. Only go out if it's an absolute necessity. Uh, you need to get your groceries. You, you yourself need to go to hospital or something. Um, you, you yourself would know what's an absolute necessity. But um, I, I wouldn't be going out to public places at all if it can be avoided. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I imagine these things will change over time, you know, in terms of they might, they might restrict us to the degree where people will start having to order their shopping. That's what they've done in place. That's what they did in Wuhan province in China. People couldn't even leave to go and get shopping. Um, but, you know, so I think we all understand what only absolute necessity means. If people can start doing that right now, if yeah. people stay at home now, they're actually helping people like you in hospitals to save lives. Is that about right? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you're staying at home, you're isolating, 
you're helping to flatten that curve. You're helping to save lives that you're never going to hear about. I, I would like to keep checking in with you, so let's try and see if we can do a bit of an update. Hopefully you haven't okay. been through absolute hell in two weeks' time from now, but let's see what we can do in terms of having a yarn as a bit of an update maybe a week on, hey? Absolutely. The situation's going to be different a week from now, and it's going to be different again in two weeks' time. So like I said, it's constantly evolving, and um, we're, we're trying to keep up. We're doing what we can to prepare. Um, that, like the Even management has uh, told us today in the meeting, it, we're all like, preparing for war at this point in time, a war against an invisible bloody enemy. Yeah. So um, it's quite a stressful time, but we're all trying to rise to the challenge as best as we can. Mate, we're all thinking about you, and I'll check in with you for the next episode. Thank you so much, Harry. Not a problem, Tom. Great to chat with you, mate. Let's say no one greetings, but I want to unshield. Don't sneeze round me, cover your face. If you catch a cold, you better self-isolate. One more lock up in a one cave for 14 days. Carries a mirror, no corona running. Look like she come for wipe the parliament clean. Wicked and dreadful, mashing up the scene. With them call it COVID-19. Wake up, my people, stop living a, a dream. You know, see them comparing the earth clean. Listen, I wasn't trying to shit on you before for feeling anxious, okay? I understand. I know. People have mental health issues. People with mental health issues, they're being exacerbated by very shitty circumstances. You know what's novel about the coronavirus, though? It's that there's a great levelling of circumstance. Sure, I'm not going through it the same way that the theatre technician, Harry, is going through it, or the person in Spain, or the loved one of someone who's experiencing an actual bout of coronavirus, or the person themselves. I'm not going through it, but I am going through coronavirus. Everyone is. And so people are denied that thing they love to do on the internet where they go, I'm going through this, you couldn't possibly understand. So what you end up left with is some people who are just fucking moaning. Moaning because they're sad. And you know what I'm trying to say to you is that we're all fucking sad. But if you have the capacity to do something more than sitting on your fucking ass and being sad, like helping out in mutual aid groups or trying to assist maybe the Australian Unemployed Workers Union with answering their inquiries, then you should do that. That's a suggestion. And that may make you less sad. Sorry, not trying to shit on your feelings. i got feelings too. I felt like shit a lot. How bad is it when every single day you stress over shitty news and then you do that so much that it sucks dick and then your fucking body ends up sick and you get a sore throat and then you think that you got fucking Kororos. That fucking sucks. Everyone has that. Everyone experiences fucking shitty mind states and the like in the middle of a fucking pandemic, turns out. What we need to do is help each other out remotely because we can't hang out with each other. So think about that. <laughs>
Tom, I'm I'm pretty good. I'm pretty Hi. good. I'm living. Yeah, where are you? Where are you living? I live in Barcelona. I live in Barcelona. I live in the middle of Barcelona, so right near the city centre. I'm currently. I've got a little terrace, so I'm currently on the the rooftop, talking to you now. I just I mentioned that because normally I wouldn't be able to speak to you up here because there'd be too much noise, but you probably can't hear much in the background because there's not much going on. Why well, you 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 you're ahead of us. You, and Spain has passed China in the amount yeah. of people that have died from coronavirus. Is that correct? That's right. So like, I don't want I don't want to make light of it, but what else can we do in this? Situation at the moment, I think we're sitting in the silver medal position for people who have passed away from coronavirus. Yeah, um, congratulations, man! Thank you, thank you. We and we are so we're heading towards four thousand, I think, dead at least today, and that's that's just increasing. So we're at the point now where people have sort of the the the, the current bulk of people have had it for enough time to start passing away. Um, intensive care units across the country are overwhelmed. People are dying in hallways. People sitting in hospitals for days on end, waiting to get seen by people. People with pretty serious symptoms, not able to get tested. All that sort of horrible shit that makes this pandemic even worse. Um, and we are fourth in the world, so we've been knocked off the podium by the by the Yanks for actual infections. But we should get to fifty thousand today. I think we got like an extra. I don't know, nine thousand or something yesterday. No, not maybe not that many, but it's heaps. It's heaps, and we're not anywhere near the peak yet. They still say we're some days off the peak, and that is even. That's just assuming that the massive isolation, lockdown, social distancing measures that the government is enforcing hardcore are going to work. Yeah. So if, once you enforce them, then two weeks later. You can expect to see the results. I think is, is is what everyone's generally agreeing on, given the time that it takes to to present with coronavirus symptoms. Bro, how long have you guys been in super mega triple lockdown for? Um, so I personally got back in the country about nine days ago. So I've been in for nine days, and people have been in for about maybe two days longer than that. Um, so and it's not long enough. So. Uh, you know, I'm I'm obviously Australian, and I, I'm keeping abreast of what's happening down there, and I'm seeing something similar to what happened here, where the government just didn't take it serious soon enough, and um, they allowed some pretty large gatherings of people to go ahead in you know in the days and weeks leading up to this, knowing what was happening in Italy, knowing that we were so connected to Italy, and that this was coming for us as well. So, like, there was a the International Women's Day march went on in, across the country, and um, the the government, the government here is like it's a it's a left coalition. It's very tenuous, and they let it go on. Yeah. Um, and so that that after that, we've just seen a massive spike. You know, there were hundreds of thousands of people in the streets rallying in very close quarters, oh, and so now we've seen a massive spike on the off the back of that. So yeah, so people have been locked down for two weeks now. Um, and it seems like it wasn't enough, and that is evidenced by the death rate. Do you know people who've been affected like this? I'm going to assume, given the shocking amounts of people, that you probably do, but do you? I, I know of some people who have symptoms who haven't been tested. Yeah. Um, my, my girlfriend's family, their grandmother, my girlfriend's grandmother, who is my grandmother now, she's pretty old. Pretty vulnerable, and they locked her down before the actual lockdown, which which is great. 
So none of the family who all, they all live nearby her in San Sebastian on the other side of the country. Yeah. No one's going to visit her. She's just with her carer who goes out and does the shopping for her and she's completely locked down. So that's that's really good news. She's not in a home. Like the stories coming out of the nursing homes here are oh, fucking horrendous. Really? People well the army the army's gone it gone through them and they're privately owned nursing homes. So the same situation in Australia where they they rob them of their life savings and their superannuation or whatever their pensions. The army's gone through to check on people and found that there are people sick in rooms next to people who are dead and been left. No. Fucking appalling. Dude. Yeah, like they've just repurposed the big ice skating rink just outside of Madrid because Madrid's got a third of the cases followed by Barcelona. Um, the big ice skating rink outside of Madrid has been repurposed as a morgue. So you can imagine that when this thing does eventually lift, things like kids going ice skating at the Madrid ice skating rink aren't going to be the fucking same. Like that has changed forever. Why? Uh, I'm just, <laughs> that, was my, that was my attempt at humour there. Fucking hell! It's it's gnarly, and you know, like we watch the. I don't. Try, I try to not watch the news too much because it's it's nonstop. Like even the even the entertainment networks now are doing nonstop news cycles, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and it it's relentless, but you can just see the level of crisis that we're going through here. With you know, like yeah, sure, it's it's mostly affecting old people and seemingly politicians. Like, like a lot of politicians here are getting it. The vice president has just been hospitalised. But two weeks ago, we went through a great period of time where our version of One Nation copped it. So it went through their ranks because one of the guys there got it, and then they had a big rally. Um, and in in between doing the, um, I shouldn't laugh. The, I shouldn't laugh. No. Yeah. We did. So yeah, like in between doing the um the one hand salute that they love to do, wow. they were also shaking. They were shaking hands a lot, so it sort of spread through there as well. So yeah, I, I laughed at that also. Well, actually, um, there were a lot of these reactionary elements who spent a very long time, not far longer than they even, uh, should have, telling each other fairy tales about how was that happening over there in a big way. Was the was the hoax brigade out in force for way longer than they should have been? Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. Um, I think there's, I don't know, you, you're going to know the answer to this so much better than I do, but I, I, I get the feeling that the hoax brigade is sort of listening to their big business mates a little bit too much and sort of trying to deny this is happening to put it off so they can squeeze a little extra buck out of the world before they go into the inevitable lockdown. And that's, I think that's where we get this too little, too late phenomena that we've ha- we have here and that we're that you guys are going to have in Australia too, I think, regarding people just sort of shutting down the economy and doing fucking nothing yeah. for two weeks. Like just fuck, just fucking do nothing for two weeks and and deal about deal with it on the, on the other side, I think, is the best plan of attack. Yeah, yeah, shut everything down, you know. But you have this particularly black pills kind of element of, and I notice this is really coming up in America, um, you know, that, there's people who are going now, they're going, well, you know, we're going to have to open up again on Easter. And so old people really need to accept that they might have to die to save the economy. (laughs) um, It's a really grim take, isn't it? It's unbelievably rotten. And what even makes it more putrid is is to see that people, I think that Trump's approval rating is up through his mismanagement of this and suggesting that people's grandparents must die, his approval rating, I think, is up. And it might just be one poll that I glanced at this morning. Yeah. For that, that, that is 
and like I've I've seen like I I've spent a fair bit of time bagging out our our little Scotty, and yeah. I've seen people rally, rally behind him too, saying he's doing the best that he can. Or even uh, one person said he's doing better than he did during the bushfires. Give him a break, like. <laughs> is that the fucking bar? Is that the bar that we have that we've set for our elected officials? The, the the most powerful man maybe in the country. Like, give me a fucking break. Doing do better anything, than going on holidays in Hawaii. Doing anything is better than what he did during the bushfires. He could not have performed any worse there. But he is yeah. throwing conferences now. But are very painful to watch the slightly irritated aspect that he adopts when he's talking to the media. What's the leadership currently like in um, in Spain? I'm assuming that they were, they were too late to the party. And now what are they like? Um, they're doing what they can. They're scrambling. They're trying to get medical supplies in. They've um, they've turned all the private hospitals into public hospitals. They're 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 acting. They're definitely acting. Um, but like I said, it's a it's a really really weak coalition of um, of the two main left parties uh, and regional regional nationalist parties. So mm-hmm. the regional nationalist parties don't necessarily want to be a part of the Spanish state. Or don't at all, but they've sort of reluctantly gone. Okay, this is, these guys are going to be better than the other, you know, the other remnants of the dictatorship, the Franco dictatorship, which is what the right wing parties necessarily basically are here. Yeah. Um, so it's hard for the left. It's hard for this coalition to get things through. So right now they're trying to extend the lockdown until April fifteenth, I believe, which is just after Easter. Um, I'm fully mentally prepared for it to go for a lot longer than that. Yes. Um. Yeah. The, the the nationalist parties, so the Catalan nationalists and the Basques nationalists. So I live in Catalonia and Barcelona, and the Basques are in San Sebastian, where my girlfriend's from. Yeah. Um, they want a complete shutdown. So basically, Pedro Sanchez, who is our president, he's a very handsome man, by the way. If anyone likes to, if likes a hot leader, um, <laughs> he is uh, he is going for like a. And more than what more than what Scotty for marketing's gone for, but he's gone for like a partial shutdown where people can still go to work if they really have to. Um, mm. And what, so a little what bit like where we're at in Victoria now, for example, like you, you're not you're not forced to stay inside. They'd much rather you did. You can leave if it's for essential, but the word essential can include work. Sort of, but I think a little bit more enforced. So here. I've got a dog. I've got, I've got two dogs. So we obviously have to take the dogs outside. Yeah. Um, we're, we're allowed 100 metres from our door. And the police are patrolling the streets and they're keeping an eye on you. And, like, I'm not a big fan of the cops. But in this situation, I kind of like that they're taking it so seriously. Yeah. So they're patrolling. If they, if they see you out too much, too often, or going too far from your door, they'll give you a 600 euro fine, so a 1000 buck fine. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to... If you're going to work, you need to carry paperwork on you or at least on your phone that says from your boss that you that you absolutely have to go and they can check that. Okay. Um, and you will get pulled up. You can't get your fucking hair cut. There's no, there's no, let your hair grow for the next little while. It's fine. If you need to cut it, cut it at home. You know, you can't, you can't do a boot camp, which I know you're allowed to do boot camp. Well, in you, know, you, you may have forgotten, well, you may have forgotten Australian culture, but here... We in our country, we like haircuts and <laughs> that's what we do in Australian culture these days. You know, it's very important <laughs> to us. 
Do you have any insight as to why a haircut has been deemed essential? I, I've been it's it's been on my mind, but I can't quite work it out. The federal government released something today saying that oh, you know what, we've loosened the restriction on half an hour maximum haircuts because you know cut and colours take a long time. It looks like something that like a local council should have been saying. You know what I mean? It just like it yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's very, very odd. I, I, I'm sure we'll find out the answer, but right now I see them as floundering in an excess of detail created by Scott Morrison's prevaricating, pissing yeah. about in, you know, like press conferences that should have been really firm and resolute, and they weren't, and he hasn't been, and now they're yeah. stuck having to clarify everything to, to the nth to detail, you know. We do need the clarification. People are asking for it, but you end up going down this rabbit hole. You, you know, people are asking for clarification yeah. on small questions, like whereas the overarching message should have been go home, don't come out. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Let's stop everyone from dying. So you're saying apart from you need paperwork to go outside to work or you can yeah. go within and 100 metres of home. With a, with, only with a dog. If you don't have a dog, you, you, if you don't have a dog, you don't go outside. And the other thing you're allowed to go outside for is to shop. So you can go and buy groceries. Uh, you can go to the pharmacy. But you have to go to – you have to carry your own identification on you. And if you get pulled up doing that, you have to be going to the nearest – supermarket or pharmacy to where you're registered to live um uh, when you get to the supermarket you are forced to line up 1.5 meters away from each other um the first day that i went to the supermarket after lockdown there was that most things were there there was there was heaps of produce heaps of fruit heaps of veg uh the whole the whole fishmonger section was completely stocked yeah uh, meat i don't eat it at the moment but there's lots of meat there um Things that were missing, things that were missing from the shelves were beers, mm-hmm. wine was all gone, potato chips and olives, which that inspired a, a brief panic in me, <laughs> the wine factor. But then I went back. So we, we're, we're told to try and shop once a week. Okay. So we go to the, shop, go to the shops once a week and stock yeah. up on what we need. So when I went back a week later, the wine was fully stocked again. So, and heaps of toilet paper. Um, so you I tell had that a as toilet a, paper panic buy thing that didn't happen there. We did for one day, but we were already at two thousand or not, I think almost three thousand cases. So it wasn't at the same level that Australia had it when you had like four people who had it across the country and then everyone went and bought shit wrap. I didn't get that at all. That mm-hmm. was in, you know, and people were looking at that from around the world, going, "What the fuck is up with these people?" Yeah, down there, uh, very very odd. I think it, I, I I can't. We weren't the only country to be in similar circumstances to Australia, wherein you know there there was a there was a, a a disconnect between what the government was saying and what we were seeing online. Therefore, you know that's what certain psychologists were saying about toilet paper. But nevertheless, though, I mean we weren't the only country in that boat. So why were we the biggest toilet paper country? I don't know. I don't uh, know. Someone started doing it, and then everyone started doing it. What I what I particularly liked about the toilet paper. Uh, saga was that I saw videos of people who looked pretty white mm. um, hoarding toilet paper, and then yeah. I saw probably those same people online blaming the Chinese for it. Yeah, people sitting on on their 
<laughs> which I, I thought was that was just amazing. Um, the other thing that I'll... there's been a lot of um, there's been people blaming. I mean, the, you know, this concerted elements whose agenda is to try and turn this into. So, I mean, you know, there's this great uh, tension in the Overton window. It can shift in either direction at the moment, and yeah, it behooves certain elements to sort of suggest that everything's China's fault, whether it be the virus in the first place. Yeah, all right, it came out of a shitty yeah. fucking bloody market. Yes, okay. Yeah, that's that's what happened. Just that's just it. That's just it. It happened, you know. But yeah, anyway, yeah. That, then they want to say that the, the toilet paper was all being shipped over to China. Anyway, so yeah, there's a lot of those elements that fucking misinformation campaign. Yeah. So I, I, li- I live in the Chinese district here in Barcelona, um, and I haven't seen any animosity towards the local community here from from Spanish people. I'm sure it, it exists, you know, but it's yeah. not. It's not visible like it is in Australia. Okay. One thing that was, was interesting um, was that before about a week before Spain went into lockdown, mm. all the China-owned stores in my district locked down, closed, and put signs up saying that they were on vacation all on the same day. And my, my neighbours told me that it was because the Chinese were speaking amongst themselves and relating back to what had happened in China and saying that the Spanish government weren't taking it seriously enough. Okay, so they, so they knew. Going to- they knew when they were taking that action. Now you actually said that to me at the start. You said, that "Yeah, we should basically not listen to Scott Morrison." Is that what you suggest? I mean, you're in our yeah. future in a sense. What do you yeah. suggest? Yeah. Right? <laughs> okay, so there's there's two there's two things that I that I think that should make people want to stay at home. The first, it took me like a two day, two days to get to this point where first lockdown was interesting, fun, maybe a bit of a nuisance to me personally. And then I saw the death rate climbing and the infection rate climbing. And then it stopped being a nuisance and started to be sort of my my community duty to um, remove myself from away from people and do my part, and it actually became something that I that you can enjoy and take pleasure in doing is um, yeah. being out, you know, just doing your bit by doing nothing, and and I'm trying to do that, and it's actually quite fulfilling, even though I'm going pretty mad. <laughs> hmm. um, it's quite fulfilling to do that. The other thing is, I really don't want to fucking catch this thing. Like, I really, really don't want to catch it. I know that everyone's saying it's just a bad flu or it's mild in young people. But it's not, and and seeing how the ICU is backed up, and seeing what people are going through trying to get treatment, and having incredibly bad fevers and trouble breathing, and all this sort of stuff, I'm not willing to take a gamble on whether I'm going to be one of the young people who have mild symptoms, if symptoms at all, I totally or if I'm going to be one way. of. The- I totally agree because I've read accounts from lots of people who've had it, and by and large. They just go through weeks yeah. of hell, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and like weeks of hell are one it's one thing going through weeks of hell when you can access a hospital, you can have a doctor see to you, they can fill you full of whatever drugs you need to make you feel better. But if you're going through weeks of hell laying in a hallway, if you're going through weeks of hell just waiting to be seen by somebody, if you're going through weeks of hell in a, in a makeshift hospital out the back of the city somewhere oh. being run by the army, that would be incredibly fucked, incredibly fucked. So, you know, in, on one hand, as an active community, yeah, I think it's really important for Australians to stay inside, to isolate from everybody. Like, 
you can you may think that you don't have this thing, but you might already have it, and and yeah. you might be spreading it to people who are vulnerable. That's one thing. And the other thing is, if you get it yourself, it's like Australia's not going to be able to handle this. Australia's going to be in the exact same situation that Spain's in pretty shortly. Yeah. If the rest of the country that won't lock down, if people are insisting on listening to the advice of Scott Morrison, then it's going to spread even further. So take yourself out of that environment, I think. Thank you, Wade. I mean, the, the guest before you is a nurse in a Victorian hospital and they've as good as said, uh, I was just speaking to Harry earlier, and Harry said, um, we're not going to be able to handle it. You know, if we get what happened in Spain, same thing. We're not going to be able to handle it. People are going to be waiting. Yeah. People aren't going to be able to access the ventilators. People are going to be fucked. Yeah, yeah. And look, there's heaps of information out there that if, if people got, you, you should have a lot of time these days. There's so much information yeah. out there where you can look at these modeling and you can listen to experts and you can really see what's what's in the future. Like, don't just listen to me. I'm just some dude who lives in Spain. But there, there are, you know, there are lots of really, really, really smart people drawing graphs that are really easy to understand that show just exactly how fucked everyone's going to be if they don't stay away from each other in the ne- just for the next two weeks. And then at the end of that two weeks, let's just take stock at where we're at and see yep. if we have to do it again. If we do, we do it again. Take it two weeks at a fucking time. Thank you. Wait, have you had any, um, have you had any, you know, there keeps being these viral videos coming out of Europe of everyone singing from their balconies. Have you had any heartwarming moments yeah. like that, bro? Yeah. So at um, at 8, 8 p.m., Every every night we go out onto the terrace and the whole neighborhood cheers and claps and and plays music and carries on and we do that to let each other know that we're all still here, um, so that we're not going through it alone. And also, it's also to to applaud the health workers. Um, some the, the the stat is ridiculous, but um, the health workers here are copying it hard because they don't have the um, the, the required protective gear. Available to them, to them. So they're fall, they're falling a lot too. So yeah, every, eight o'clock every day. There's a guy across the road who's got an epic sound system. Last Saturday he played like three ABBA songs for the neighbourhood. Everyone was dancing. Um, there's opera singers and stuff going off, and it's just it, it is quite nice. It's quite a nice sort of moment of community when you're isolated. Oh yeah, days. Yeah, I can only imagine. Oh, that sounds really good. I I can't imagine in Australia. What would we all do we, we, we would get our Rolf Harris wobble boards, you know, or, or all all sing, yeah. sing angry Anderson songs together. You know, it doesn't sound, it doesn't, you know. There's an actual video on Twitter of people singing, you know, in apartments somewhere in Australia, but they're all, you know, what the song they're singing? They're singing "I Still Call Australia Home." Fuck off! I saw that. I saw that, and they're living in Australia, so of course you're calling it home. What are you talking about, your moms? <laughs> Thank you. I want to go, and not to mention their fucking taste. Jesus, wet. Yeah, yeah. Um, we can all sing. Yeah. yeah, we can sing songs about about how much we love the, the, the colony that we live in. Yeah, look, so I'm not looking you know, forward to that, but I'm you know really what, Sorry, Tom, there's, one, there's a song that you can sing. It's that... Um, Am I ever going to see your face again? No way, get fucked, fuck off. That's the song that everyone should sing across the backyards of suburban Australia. That's what they should do, isn't it? Thank you so much. <laughs> Why do you have any parting advice for people or any other messages from way over there in Barcelona? Yeah, just stay at home. It's, that's it. 
there's that's all I got to say. Enjoy, enjoy the process, and it'll be over soon. Yeah, that's right. Thank you so much, Why Good luck over there. All the best. But you won't ever need all the best yeah. of luck, will you? Because you'll be staying at home. Exact mondo. Dear honorable bro, God, good day, sir. My respect. Me need to talk to you. You don't know how the thing set. Me need to know where this lady live and where she been stepping. Plus our family, cause by now they are infected. And them have to go work, the kids for go school. And if we work the same place, then probably we have to touch tools together. Then we bring it to them, go give me mother. And a six are we in a one room, so we dead with one another. How you feel protect the nation if we can't protect ourselves? We have to know who, so we can know if we have to check ourselves. The only thing the hero no say nothing worry brain. But the way I'm stuck up right now is like a hurricane. No, no, I protect the name. But tell me, when you check the place, as in, anybody could have step off just the same Just like the E that they which I run off Him so insane, but tell me When you trace him steps, if you see if him infect the lane Me can try to help myself, you can try to help Jamaica You know the greater good, so bro God, where you are wait for Anybody listen to this and send me no fee pay for that Go check a restaurant, cause right now me no cater In a times like this, I just my family me care for So anything for me we safe, that me I prepare for Like shoot chronicler from up at the hill because it's safer Then move there with me peeps, yeah man, me probably bring me neighbor All the road the way you take 10 years this has been my first emergency pandemic response episode of the Pork and Feed the Birds. I hope you found it informative. I hope you've also found it not a complete fucking drainer like a lot of shit can be at the moment. Get involved in things. Please, please, I beg of you. I beg of you for your own mind state as well as the wider community. Try and get involved to that end. Of course, I usually do the rally gig guy. That doesn't exist now. We don't go out. We don't go to rallies. We stay at home. But what we can do is we can get involved in things. And to that effect, I made a resource list a little while ago. I'm going to link it in the description for this. I'll share it again when I uh, you know, share the, the episode on all of my social media pages and the like. I didn't try to reinvent the wheel. All I was trying to do was to point to the proliferation of very amazing tools that exist out there related to mutual aid, and I want you to look for one in your local area and get involved in that and try and be useful to people. If you go and do one trip to go and help someone who's in self-isolation get some supplies for them or something like that, you will feel better about yourself and you'll be doing a little bit of community good. There's also a list to rental help in there. We've talked about tenancy stuff at length. There's a series of template letters um, a legend wrote up. And I want you to go and have a look at those if you need them, if you need to stave off those real estate dogs until you can get some relief. There's a whole bunch of other tools. And inside those other spreadsheets, I'll link to any kind of thing you want. I mean, if you need food, there are people out there, like the Amazing Seek community, for example. There's people who drop free food at your door if you weren't already aware. If you are fucking broke, there's people who will help you. And that's really amazing. But what I'm saying to you is, if you're not broke and stuck in self-isolation and, you know, all of those other things, and if you're just sad, well, you can deal with that by helping out some of those other mutual aid initiatives. I need you to do that. I have been in self-isolation. Some people have been very amazing with me over the past few days. Dropped things off, helped me, helped me to try and fill a prescription. Um, gone to the post office for me, dealt with the fucking bureaucracy of all those institutions. Um, I, I, it's It's been fucking amazing, actually. There's other people out there who need that from you, and I would really, really ask you to think about chipping into that. 
It will, it will really change how you feel about all of this pandemic. And let's face it, we're all going to be going through this for a little while more, a few more months. So let's all give each other a hand. I will see you back within the next fortnight. I may be doing more regular ones. Um, I'm not sure. Actually, I tell you what, the next one will come out a little bit sooner because the next episode of the Pork and Feed the Birds will be me um, in a live situation, although I'll upload it to this podcast a little bit later on. But I will uh, next Thursday, I believe, be taking part in Ezekiel Ox's 24-hour pandemic um, fucking marathon. He'll be doing God knows what for 24 hours. And at one point during that period, I will interrupt to live record an episode of the Pork and Feed the Birds with contribution from Zeke and his band members and what have you. We'll all be in a, a, a big big old studio, uh, socially distancing, of course, um, and we're going to record an episode there and I'm going to talk to them and they're going to talk to me and it's going to be fucking ace. Um, so look out for that on all my pages. You can find me on Tom Tanneke, uh, Facebook, Instagram, fucking wherever, all the goddamn things. And please chip in to me via Patreon. If you have the clams, and a lot of people don't right now, <laughs> but if you do, well, actually, um, my employment's a bit fucked, but I ain't going softer on this stuff. I'm going harder right now. So if you have the capacity only if and you believe in what i'm doing now or before or in the future or where i'm headed and please chuck me a clam or two and i will love you forever everyone i hope you're staying safe i hope you're not getting too wigged out i hope you're able to chip in or be the recipient of or whatever of some nice mutual aid stuff take care of each other Love yous all. Stay the fuck at home. Dip from the coronavirus. Dip from the coronavirus. Dip from the coronavirus. Before you're dead. 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 If you catch it, boy, you're gone dead. Go and tell all your friends. If you catch it, girl, you're gone dead. Go and tell all your friends. Everybody just dip and dip. Dip and dip, everybody just dip and dip, dip and dip, 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 dip from the coronavirus, dip from the coronavirus, dip from the coronavirus, virus, everybody just dip, dip from the coronavirus, dip from the coronavirus, dip from the coronavirus, virus, virus.